Welcome to Across the States. I'm your host, Hunter Hamberlin with ACE, the American City County Exchange. I'm joined by our Communications and Technology Task Force Director, Jonathan Hanschild, and we will be discussing smart cities. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. Oh, thanks for having me. Anytime, anytime. So, Jonathan, what makes a city smart? A smart city, it's a broad term that actually means a lot, but at its base, understanding simply means a city that has tried to use technology to solve a lot of the problems that cities and residents face. It's usually better to use examples than it is to talk about a smart city, you know, as a concept. So it's a city that's used sensors and other things to help solve traffic problems, parking problems, to detect air pollution, to address and respond to emergencies or to let people know about emergencies. It's all sorts of things, but really what it does is it uses technology to try to solve those problems in new and innovative ways. Interesting. So currently, what cities are kind of laying the groundwork to become smart cities or what cities are really like leading the charge? Yeah, that's a really good question because there really aren't any, quote, smart cities, end quote, Mm. right now. It's they really are laying the groundwork They're testing technologies. They're slowly implementing them, but they're not there yet. And we can go into why that is in a little bit, but as far as some of the cities that might be leading the way, some of the ones that come to mind at least relatively quickly include cities like Columbus, Ohio, Cedar Rapids, Louisville. New York likes to be included in that, but that's for a very different reason. They've established kind of like a citywide Wi-Fi and they consider that smart. Versus a city like Columbus that's actually looking at how to solve transportation problems. It's actually looking at how to be more responsive to the the needs and the demands of the residents. And even a city like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, is implementing some smart technology ideas along those lines. So smart cities are basically, you know, these cities are trying to come up with different ways to solve, you know, issues that their other citizens are facing. So they're just using technology to do that. Yeah, it's really easy to give a couple examples. I think transportation is probably the easiest example to take, largely because it's what most people think of when they come to a city. Like if they work in a city, the first thing they think about is traffic. Oh, yeah. And second thing they think about is parking. (laughs) (laughs) So a, a smart city may have the capacity to detect when traffic is heavy in certain areas, as well as solve it through connected traffic lights. You know, if it's you're detecting it's really heavy in one area, maybe you can actually, and it's a, a one-way street, you can change the traffic lights to alleviate that. But then you can also have the sensors to say, hey, this garage is full, go over to this garage over here. And you as a commuter, someone who does there that maybe parks on a daily basis versus a monthly, you already know, well, I can't go to my first option, but I know my second option's great. And oh, by the way, the lights are all green, so traffic's flowing. Cool. So I think I've kind of experienced some of that when I've traveled to like Atlanta and all these other cities of going into like a parking garage and seeing like the lights, it says like red for, you know, there's someone in that spot and then the green. And it makes a huge difference, you know, going down those lanes or just, you know, looking rather than actually having to drive physically like around the whole parking lot. Yeah, that helps. But imagine having like an app on your phone that you're going into work and you already know that garage is 90% full. Yeah, (laughs) perfect. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, not even to try that garage. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, 
Are there any risks associated with that? Because we're taking on more technology. You know, I assume there's going to be more consumer data in the air, more points for, you know, less desirable outcomes for, you know, people that have technology like that. So what are your thoughts on that? What direction is that kind of going in? I mean, th- th- that is a in-depth discussion for another day. But broadly speaking, there's always a concern when things are smart and when there's more data. And the, the question always is, who controls and has access to the data? It's one thing if it's a private company. It's one thing if it's Facebook or Google because you're often getting something in return. It's another thing if it's a city, if it's a government. Why are they getting the data? How are they using it? And there's this just the potential for a lot of misuse on the government side that we wouldn't necessarily trust them with. So yeah, there there does have to be some sort of standards for data use and things like that. But like I said, that's a that's a huge concern for another episode. another episode. Yes, sir. <laughs> Fantastic. So what about barriers? So, you know, you listed Columbus, Ohio and a certain like other cities, but for different cities that, you know, may not have the capability to become a smart city, like what are their main barriers or what do those look like to our uh, listeners? No, I think you kind of have two categories of barriers. The, the first one is simply the regulatory and you know, are they prepared for it? So as you're looking at the future of transportation, for example, you're probably going to run up into some problems with both the infrastructure and the unions, the public transportation unions. I'm not necessarily saying that unions are a bad thing, but they're not, you know, if you're going to look at modernizing your transportation, if you're going to look at a holistic approach, so you're going to use public transportation, you're going to use bikes, you're going to use transportation networking companies, which is the official speak for Uber and Lyft. If you're going to use those companies, what you're ultimately going to do is decrease the reliance on public transportation. You're still going to have a need for it. It's still going to be there, but you're going to reduce the the dependence. So how are you going to deal with the unions? How are you going to deal with the reduced capacity But for the public transportation? But it's also what regulations may exist that would interfere with the technology. So, you know, it's kind of hard to see. It's like, what problems might you have deploying a particular sensor array, you know, uh, traffic lights? Who all needs to be involved if you're going to connect your traffic lights? What type of infrastructure needs to exist, if at all, for connected vehicles? What type of regulations would get in the way of deploying sensors to test water quality and water flow? So speaking of regulations, so is the issue with like regulations is that they're... um you know, we don't know what, you know, some of this technology looks like right now. So we really don't yep. know like what a regulation should look like, or is it more just the regulations that are in place currently? Or is it the first thing I said? Uh, broadly, yes. Okay. <laughs> it, it's a little bit of both. We don't know what the technologies are going to look like. We really only have kind of a idea of what it could be, but really the possibilities are endless. And this is going to go to the second part that I was talking about as far as barriers. When Before we had 4G phones, before we had the ability to have data, we could have never anticipated an Uber or Lyft. We had no idea that that possibility existed. We also had didn't have any idea of the possibility of something like TikTok existed or social media. So we don't know when we're talking 5G, we don't know what technologies may develop that will help a city be smarter, be more responsive. So yeah, there is that that barrier side that we don't know what the regulations are going to look like because we don't know the technology. And we also don't know what the barriers are because we don't know what the technology is going to look like. But we can guess. And this is where it also gets into that second part, which is 
a lot of cities, while they're developing the ability to be smart, they're not fully smart because you need this next generation of wireless connectivity. You need 5G to be able to be fully connected. We talk about connected cars. We talk about traffic lights, water sensors, things like that. 4G just doesn't have the capacity, speed, or latency to really be able to respond as needed. 5G does. 5G is going to require more antennas, is going to require broader deployment because of the way the technology works. And we can get into this in a future episode because 5G is just fascinating. But one of the biggest barriers is going to be any barrier to deploying this 5G. So things like cities really could do to help lay the foundation would be to work with the service providers to make sure the service providers can deploy the technology where they need it deployed. And also laying what people, kind of us policy wonks and communications wonks, will talk about being the backhaul. So while you have wireless technology, it still relies on wired technology. So things like dig once. Um, for those that don't know, that's when you have a road project, you're just going to lay, you're going to lay conduit, you're going to lay pipe and wires, and they're going to be dark, which means they're not going to be connected. They're not going to be connected to a service provider, but you're going to offer them to a service provider basically at cost so that you're not losing money on the actual thing, but you're already, you're already on a road project. You're already tearing it up. So it's minimal cost. Um, you also have one touch make ready, which is working with the providers so that when someone wants to come in and put wires in that instead of having to call everyone that's on the wire, Comcast, AT&T, you know, you name the, the providers that you have one authorized contractor that can come in and do the work to make the pole ready for the new entrant. And making sure, a big thing is making sure that cities aren't viewing the providers as sources of revenue. And instead, they can still recover their costs for doing the work, but working with them to deploy it, because if they work with them to deploy it, several things are going to happen. They're going to have that backbone they need to have the connected city. And through the new generation of technology through the new generation of wireless technology, they're going to be able to close the urban digital divide in a much faster. So it's a benefit. They're offering a benefit to their citizens. And because the city is going to be able to be smart, it's going to be more efficient, more effective, and it's going to save a ton of tax money. So it's going to benefit almost everybody involved or basically everybody involved. Yeah. The service providers, the consumers, the government. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why wouldn't we do it? Why wouldn't it happen? Yeah, it really needs to. <laughs> yes, sir. So Jonathan... What else should people be talking about when talking about smart cities? What should we be focused on? Well, I think there's a couple critical talking points. Because we don't know what the technology looks like or is or is going to be, any type of move toward deregulation is great. But any attempt to regulate, really, it just shouldn't happen to regulate yet because we don't know what it looks like. And there should not be a focus on specific technology. Instead, any thought toward this right now should be tech neutral. Um, that is to say, let's let's have a framework, but not mandate that you have to use company X or technology Y because we want to make sure our cities are nimble. One thing about a smart city is that it's always going to be willing to adapt to what is next. 
And, you know, we kind of saw that with Uber and Lyft, where you had the taxis that were really in control. They didn't like the competition. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to avoid a tech company becoming the next taxi, so to speak. And really, the second point on this is as it's developed, cities would do well to work with the private sector. Because the private sector is going to know what's coming around the corner before a city does. And if you work with the private sector, private sector will likely help deploy whatever that technology is at either at or reduced cost to the city because they're trying to experiment or whatever the case may be. But work with the private sector to meet the needs of the citizens, whatever that may be. Absolutely. And here at ALEC and at ACE, the American City and County Exchange, I mean, we're all about collaboration with stakeholders, the private sector, state legislators and everything, and our local city and county folk as well. So that collaboration is definitely something that we try to, as you know, that we try to really hammer in around here. So, yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of niche areas, so to speak, that you can talk about in smart cities. I mean, we can have a focus on transportation. We can have a focus on sensors. We can have a focus on privacy and what that means. There's just a lot to dig into here. So I'd love to hear from the audience and the people that listen to this, what they would like to dig into. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for your insight regarding smart cities, Jonathan. This has been Hunter Hamberlin with the American City and County Exchange and Jonathan Hanschild with the Communications and Technology Task Force at ALEC. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alec States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council. 